Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay. All right, it's the 13th of October, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we got something uh, kind of special today. Uh, I mentioned it last week, and most of the people didn't even remember this, but we actually moved into this building on the 13th of October in 2013. And so we've been now in this building to the day six years. And before that, we were out on the beach, and our first week, we were actually out there for quite a bit longer, but we actually started recording sermons on 28 October of 2011. And so uh, that's a couple of years before that, and I think we are probably out on the beach for a year even before that. But the first recorded sermon online is from uh, October 28, 2011. And I will say that there are a couple of people that have watched every single sermon that has been put out onto YouTube by us. And we're up to, I think, about a thousand plus sermons uh, and Prophecy Updates and the like. But uh, a couple people have actually watched every single sermon and every Prophecy Update that we've ever done. So... That's brave people looking at my face all that time, but uh, kind of as a celebration and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, to thank somebody, I decided to wear a bandana that was made by uh, Kathy, John and Kathy, uh, that were here, the Slaters. They were here for a month here, uh, last month, and she made me this bandana, and she did it right by putting the cross up. Usually when you have something on a bandana, you fold it in half and you put it on your head and it's upside down. She didn't make that error, so... I want to thank Kathy immensely for that because I've been saving that to uh, wear today. And then I have one more thing to announce. And you guys are you guys are going to walk in the back room and you're going to flip. Um, a guy that uh, I know personally is the guy that I went out to go bear hunting with last May, which was a year ago last May. His name is John Bellows. And he's been a very good friend of mine before that and since then. And he did something for the church today, which will probably make some of you smile. I don't know about all of you if you're not into meat, but he sent us a box of meat of all kinds of uh, sausages and all kinds of stuff. It is giant. So you go back there, and if there's something you want, just grab it, okay? There's, he sent it for the church, so uh, we want to—I know collectively as a church, thank John for that, because this is really good stuff. I've had some in the past, and uh, so get in there, dig into it, and take it home and enjoy it. And uh, let's see, our first category, as always, is Israel. Oh, I got one more thing to say. I have uh, the web guy. He wants to know if there are any problems with the podcasts online. He does the podcast. We've got the YouTube video and all that. But he does the podcast, and he says if there's any problem with the podcast, whether it's the Bible study or the sermon or whatever, please let him know. And so, or let me know, and I will let him know. But he does want to know that. He's a little concerned that uh, things are professionally done and that people have no no uh, issues with their podcasts. So uh, our first article from the category of Israel's from the Jerusalem Post, oil in the north, Moses' blessing coming to life. Now you wonder what does that have to do with anything, Moses' blessing. Well, Moses' blessing to the tribe of Asher regarding oil and the allotment of land is continuing to come to fruition as Zion Oil and Gas announced that it has definitely found oil and it is near testing the well for commerciality. We also recognize that the goal of this well was to find oil, and we can say with absolute confidence that we were successful in attaining that goal. 
the next crucial step is being able to effectively test and establish the well's commerciality. I'm excited about this phase as it will be a crucial and historic moment for Zion and its shareholders. Zion Oil and Gas was founded for the purpose of exploring for oil and gas in Israel and reaching production levels that will help Israel become an energy independent country. Zion is a Christian oil drilling company. This guy's out of Texas. He went to Israel. And the reason why he did this is because he was reading the Bible. And the Bible says in several places, it alludes to possible oil in the land. One of them is in the territory of Asher, where it says in Moses' blessing to Israel, Asher will dip his foot in oil. Now, obviously, it's speaking of uh, olive oil and, you know, it's a blessing and that type. But he took that as a prophetic sign that there is oil in the land of Asher. And in fact, he has found it. And so we'll see where that goes, if it's viable, commercially viable. And if so, one more uh, pat on the back for Israel as they uh, continue forward. From the uh, Times of Israel, Israel and Gulf states working on historic pact to end the conflict between them. When I say the Gulf states, I'm talking about the Arab Gulf states. Israel's reportedly negotiating with several Gulf states on a non-aggression pact between them as they face off against an increasingly emboldened Iran. They're Shias, the Arabs are Sunnis, and so this is actually causing a wedge between the two, which has already existed, but now they are talking about making a non-aggression pact with Israel. And this all comes about because of our previous president and his poor policies. So you can see how things in the Bible are coming true because of what's happening in the world right now. The deal aims to put an end to the state of conflict between the Gulf states and Israel, and reportedly provides for friendly relations, cooperation in a variety of fields, and no war or incitement against each other. Advancing the Israeli initiative, Foreign Minister Israel Katz met on the sidelines of the UNGA, which is a couple weeks ago, with several foreign ministers from Arab Gulf states. Katz himself, on September 23rd, tweeted that he had held talks with an unnamed counterpart from an Arab country with which Israel does not have formal relations, and said they discussed ways to deal with the Iranian threat and a process for boosting civilian cooperation. Katz, who is leading the effort with the backing of Prime Minister Netanyahu, agreed with his Gulf Arab interlocutors during a series of meetings in New York to set up working teams to take the non-aggression pact forward. Katz presented his Gulf counterparts with a draft text of the intended pact, which was drawn up by the Israeli foreign minister. It reportedly highlights the opportunity to advance common interests in the context of the threat posed by Iran and is drafted in accordance with the principles of international law. So they're actually dealing in this way. And as you go to Ezekiel chapter 38 and you read what's coming on the uh, land of Israel in the future, I've said this a million times, none of these states are recorded as coming against Israel. You have Gog, Magog, you've got Russia, you've got the alliance with uh, Turkey and Persia, you've got Libya, and you've got um, the Sudan. All of those areas are said to explicitly be coming against Israel, but Egypt is not, and the Gulf states are not. They just simply ask a question of this great invading army. Are you coming to take a plunder? But this non-aggression pact is set in place so that they will not come against them, and that is setting the stage for Ezekiel 38 right there. This is a really important thing that is happening, and it's happening right now before our eyes. So great stuff. From the uh, Jerusalem Post, Merkel's government says Iran's call to wipe Israel off the map is not anti-Semitic. 
So yeah, you destroy Israel and the Jewish state, and that's not anti-Semitic, according to Merkel. From the Times of Israel, Banana Republic. Is Israel a banana republic? Israel faces killer fungus that can destroy the crop nationwide. Now, that doesn't sound like anything, because Israel, you wouldn't think there's bananas there. That's the banana capital of the world. I'm telling you, it's not really, but I mean, I've been there. There are bananas everywhere. Banana farming is one of the most stable and profitable agricultural sectors in Israel and the largest among the country's plantation-based crops. Between 150,000 and 170,000 tons of bananas are picked annually across plantations spanning some 6,700 acres. The majority of Israel's banana plantations are located in the north, in the Carmel region, and the Jordan Valley. There are smaller plantations in the south. About 4,000 people depend on the industry for their livelihood. You wouldn't expect that in Israel, but yes, when I was there... I was on a tour with Zola Levitt Ministries. That was many years ago. And the tour guide, a guy named Zvi Ravai, who has now gone to be with the Lord, he uh, had a very fun way of making the uh, trip between places that you were visiting interesting. You'd be driving down the road and he'd say, bananas to the left, mangoes to the right. And then he'd go a little farther and he'd say, bananas to the left. And he'd say, uh, whatever, macadamia nuts or whatever to the right. And so every crop that you passed, he knew what it was and he'd tell you. And I heard bananas to the left and bananas to the right probably 7,000 times when I was driving around Israel with that guy. So, yes, it is a banana republic. From the Times of Israel, Israel bracing for Iranian assault studies recent attack on Saudi oil facility. Israel's defense establishment is analyzing last month's strike on Saudi Arabian oil facilities, which is being blamed on Iran, to learn how to protect the country from a possible similar assault. Unlike ballistic missiles, which fly through an arc on the way to the target, Cruise missiles and drones fly at a low altitude, making them harder to detect. Israel's defenses against a missile attack, and in particular a cruise missile attack, begin with a network of radar systems around the country to detect an incoming threat. In addition, Israel's begun deploying the David's Sling system, which is designed to intercept ballistic and cruise missiles at ranges of 40 to 300 kilometers. Several David Sling batteries are already deployed by the Air Force. Another system, Barak 8, provides maritime protection for Israel's natural gas rigs in the Mediterranean Sea. So they are actually going to Saudi Arabia. They're collecting information on how to continue to develop these ways of protecting their land. And so it shows you the close coordination between Saudi Arabia, between them and Israel, and all of the other countries which I've highlighted over the past couple of weeks and months. From our Christian news today, one last time I'd ask to uh, remember Ray Delbury. He is leaving in two days on the 15th of October to go to um, Uganda, thank you, to be with Pastor Isaac. And this is really a wonderful experience for him. And I would ask that you would pray for him because he, uh, he's been, I won't say fearful, but he's been, you know, he's not the type to go out and just do something like this. But the Lord put it on his heart a year or so ago. And so we want to continue to pray for Ray Delbury until he comes back from that trip. And I know he's going to have a good time. I know he's going to be blessed over there. And secondly, for those who are watching online later on YouTube, uh, we had a visitor here today, Pastor Sonny. He's from India. And he, the, it's going to be in the 
opening comments of the Superior Words presentations for today. We have the opening comments, then we have the Prophecy Update, and then the sermon. I would ask you to go to the opening comments and watch his presentation. He's a native of India. He's got a church there. He's got a TV ministry there. He's got uh, other churches that he's planted around India, and he's in need of support to ensure that the uh, message of the gospel gets out. And because he is indigenous and he plants indigenous churches, they've got all kinds of languages and dialects. It's a very important thing that he's doing. He's getting the word out to hundreds of millions of people around India, and that's how many people are there. And so maybe a billion or more now, isn't it? So uh, he's trying to get the word out as much as possible. He's got some great stories that he told us. So please watch that particular video. It'll be under opening comments of our posts for today. All right. From uh, the Christian Post, Demi Lovato. I don't know who she is, but she's some movie star. Demi Lovato gets baptized in the Jordan River, like Jesus, fills a God-sized hole in her heart. Now, this is a nice heartwarming story, and I thought I'd include it today. Demi Lovato, who has been on a hiatus from music. I guess she's a musician, not a movie star, whatever. Anyway, she's famous. Not to me, but she's famous, okay? She's on a hiatus from music since she nearly died from an overdose in July 2018. Was recently baptized in the Jordan River. So you can see the transformative power of Christ in people's life. They come to Christ and he can change anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. You can be a, a prostitute. You can be a drug addict. You could be Charlie Garrett who'd done every bad thing on the face of this planet. He can take a wicked heart and he can change it. So um, she was recently baptized in the Jordan River. Lovato took to Instagram to share a photo of her baptism during a recent tour of the Holy Land. I am an American singer. I was raised Christian and have Jewish ancestors. When I was offered an amazing opportunity to visit the places I'd read about in the Bible growing up, I said yes, to be baptized in the Jordan River, the same place Jesus was baptized. I've never felt more renewed in my life. This trip has been so important for my well-being, my heart and my soul. I'm grateful for the memories made and the opportunity to be able to fill the God-sized hole in my heart. Thank you for having me, Israel. And then, of course, as soon as she posts this on Instagram, being famous, Christian Times Demi Lovato apologizes after Jordan baptism. People barbecued her for simply going to Israel, okay? No one told me there would be anything wrong with going or that I could possibly be offending anyone. With that being said, I'm sorry if I've hurt or offended anyone. That was not my intention, she added. This was meant to be a spiritual experience for me, not a political statement. So she apologized to her people that follow her, but I wouldn't have even gone that far. I would have said, you know, if you don't like it, tough. You know what? I went to Israel. It's a sovereign nation. I have a right to be baptized in the Jordan River. But she's trying to appease her crowd, but she wasn't apologizing for her Christianity. Make that understood. She's just saying it wasn't a political statement. But I would have just, you know me. Anyway, from uh, LifeSite News, Fox News drops Todd Starnes. Yes, after guest challenges pro-abortion, Democrats' faith which is something we do here all the time. We're not a tax-exempt organization, and so we can attack the libs all we want. Popular conservative radio host Todd Starnes has parted his ways with Fox days after an interview in which a guest suggested that Democrats worship a pagan god of child sacrifice, which is exactly what they do. The goddess Moloch from the Bible doesn't matter what name you give them, arose by any other name, the smell is sweet. That's right. 
So there you go. On Monday, Starnes interviewed First Baptist Church's Pastor Robert Jeffries, who, amid a discussion of Democrats' support for abortion, suggested that the God they worship is the pagan God of the Old Testament, Moloch, who allowed for child sacrifice. The God of the Bible doesn't sanction the killing of millions and millions of children in the womb. I think the God they are worshiping is the God of their own imagination. We just assume they're praying to God, Starnes himself said during earlier in the exchange. So all he said is we assume that they were praying to the same God. It was his guest that got him fired, which is absolutely crazy, but that's Fox and where they're heading lately. On Wednesday, The Wrap reported that Fox had dropped Starnes as a contributor to TV segments, website commentary, and Fox Nation subscription content. So from Monday, he had this visitor. By Wednesday, they had gotten rid of him. So, so much for Fox News. They're going right down the John. They're at the, they're at the end of the swirly, too. They're not on the outside. They're right at the end. From um, the Daily Wire, British court and transgender case. British court. Remember Christian nation once? British court. Bible belief is incompatible with human dignity. This is a British court. That statement came in a case involving Dr. David Macaret, somebody we've reported on a couple times, a devout Christian who had worked as an emergency doctor for the NHS for 26 years. He's a sound doctor. He'd been working, giving his life to the field of medicine for 26 years under the NHS. He said he was fired from his job because he refused to call a biological man a woman. The court's ruling stated, listen to this, belief in Genesis 1 verse 27. Genesis 1, that's, just so you know, Genesis is right at the beginning of the Bible, in case you haven't read it. If you're watching a Prophecy Update right now, if you're watching this Prophecy Update and you have not read your Bible once, shame on you. I absolutely mean that, shame on you. Stop watching Prophecy Updates, pick up this book and read it. It's the first thing I read every single day of my life. I get up, I have to take out two of my dogs so they don't pee on the floor, and after it, while I'm doing that, the coffee is brewing. And then from there, I sit down, and this is the very first thing I do every day of my life. It's the last thing I do every day of my life. And during the day, I read the Bible any chance I get. I've read it through and through and through. When I'm driving, nothing is on my radio in that car except the Bible. All the time that I'm driving, whenever I'm driving. Genesis, so if you have not read this at least once, you should not be watching a prophecy update. We were talking, I was talking with a brother on here about that this morning. If you don't know the Bible enough to say, I know what that says, you don't have to be a scholar. But if you don't know what this book says and somebody tells you something, oh, you can lose your salvation, you're going to believe it because you've got no basis to know whether that's true or not. If they say you can't lose your salvation, you're going to believe it because you have no basis to not believe it. Somebody in an authority figure has said it. Now, I've just given you two options. Either it's true, you can, or it's false, you can't. Which is it? And you're going to stand on what you've heard from somebody, whether it's true or not, unless you know in advance what this word says. Take that to any issue within the Bible. Jesus is God. Jesus isn't God. How do you know? Go to the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they're going to show you right from Scripture why they believe Jesus is not God but they've taken that completely out of context and they're showing you things that are false. But you're not schooled enough because you've never taken the time to read this precious word. I got to watch another prophecy update. Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. The court's ruling stated that that sentence right there, a lack of belief in 
transgenderism and conscientious objection mm-hmm. to transgenderism in our judgment are incompatible with human dignity and conflict with the fundamental rights of others, specifically here, transgender individuals, insofar as those beliefs form part of his wider faith. His wider faith also does not satisfy the requirement of being worthy of respect in a democratic society, not incompatible with human dignity and not in conflict with the fundamental rights of others. That's what they said. Genesis 1.27, the Lord God who created male and female, said, I have created them male and female. And that is no longer acceptable in the courts of England. From BCM, court hands stunning victory to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Yes, finally some good news. A federal judge has ruled that officials at the University of Iowa violated the law when they kicked InterVarsity Christian Fellowship off their campus and that they are personally responsible for costs incurred by InterVarsity in defending its rights. InterVarsity had been on the University of Iowa campus for over 25 years, but in 2018, the university expelled the group from the university campus for insisting that anyone in leadership must affirm its Christian beliefs. They said, that's all they said. We're a Christian organization. You must affirm that. They were expelled from campus. The university claimed that the requirement was discriminatory. The Beckett Fund reports in the ruling. The court held that this discrimination was so egregious, they're discriminating against the Christians. The court held that this discrimination was so egregious that the officers involved and possibly even the university's president would be personally accountable for any money InterVarsity lost to fight to stay on campus. That's how bad this was, and they sided with the Christians. They said, you people are now going to have to pay their legal bills. I hope that stands as a precedent for all of these people that are coming against Christianity. Now, I want to go back to what I just said about the Bible. I said I read this first thing, I read it last thing, and I read it all day. And you say, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to. I've been doing this since the day that I met Jesus. The day that I met Jesus, I started reading this book. I had a shop right down the road. And when I didn't have customers in that shop, I sat there and that's all I did. And some days nobody would walk in because, you know, in May in Florida, there's nobody here, right? I would sit there 10 hours a day and I would read this book. I would read this book from cover to cover every single week. And I did that for over two years. Over two years, I read this book cover to cover. Okay? You do the math. But that was my heart and my passion was to know the God that wrote this book. Okay? And then after that, I went and I got a Greek copy of the New Testament and a Hebrew copy of the Old Testament, and I learned to read Hebrew and Greek. I don't understand it. That's irrelevant. I read it. I read it all the way through in Hebrew and Greek, and I made corrections on the, uh, got it back there. It's the uh, interlinear Bible from Sovereign Grace Publishing. Don't buy it. It was terrible. Anyway, I made corrections in all of their Hebrew. I made corrections in their uh, real errors. I'm not talking about things that were just, you know, speculation. They're real errors, or they put the wrong strong number, something like that. I corrected it, and I sent them like a 20-page report of everything I had done, okay, to let them, well, no, they didn't care at all, but that's irrelevant. I sent it to them, and that's so that they would not publish those mistakes in their next revision or version or whatever. But uh, this has been my passion because of one thing. It's because of Jesus Christ. He died for me. I'm a sinful man, and I want to know this Lord that gave us this word. And so when you 
send me an email and you say, well, you're wrong about eternal salvation or you're wrong about something or another, I hope that you have read your Bible at least once through before you send me that email because you probably don't know what you're talking about otherwise. It's a very good book to have a basis in life for, and if you don't know it, then you can't walk your life properly. Read your Bible and read it again and read it again and let it fill you. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly, Paul says. Okay, from Islam today. Wonderful article. Israel Hayom. I'm only going to read you the title. If you want it, email me and I'll send it to you again so you can remember what it is. Or if you're online, Caroline Glick, Trump did not betray the Kurds. She's got it all laid out there. Be sure you read that. If you're taking a side against your president for doing what he did, he didn't. I already knew this, but she put it into very, very eloquent words. Go read that article. It's long. You'll learn something about why Trump did not betray the Kurds, okay? He got us out of a mess, and he's been getting us out of messes all along because our previous president put us in them. So from Zero Hedge, a guy named Luongo, I've read some of his articles in the past. Are these the five tweets that changed the world? This is a long article, but you'll like it. I asked whether Donald Trump had risen to the level of gray champion. A few days later, Trump takes to the Twitter and puts a big line item in his resume. There have been signs of change coming since Trump rightly refused to go to war with Iran over their shooting down an unmanned U.S. drone, starting with a major shakeup of his cabinet by firing National Security Director John Bolton to his tepid response to the Houthi attack on the Saudi Aramco facility. <laughs> Trump has sought to diffuse a situation that had flown way too close to the sun, and threatened to burn millions. These five tweets, taken in context of the past few days, however, blow the lid off a number of narratives as well as ongoing operations. Donald Trump, Twitter. The U.S. was supposed to be in Syria for 30 days. That was many years ago. We stayed and got deeper and deeper into battle with no aim in sight. When I arrived in Washington, ISIS was running rampant in the area. We qu quickly defeated 100% of the ISIS caliphate. Donald Trump, this is, he's continuing his Trumps one after another. Donald Trump, Twitter, including capturing thousands of ISIS fighters, mostly from Europe, but Europe did not want them back. They said, you keep them, USA. I said, no, we did you a great favor, and now you want us to hold them in U.S. prisons at tremendous cost. They are yours for trials. They, Donald Trump at Twitter, again said no, thinking, as usual, the U.S. is always the sucker on NATO, on trade, on everything. The Kurds fought with us, but were paid massive amounts of money and equipment to do so. They have been fighting Turkey for decades. I held off this fight for Donald Trump at Twitter almost three years, but it is time for us to get out of these ridiculous, endless wars, many of them tribal, and bring our soldiers home. We will fight where it is to our benefit and only fight to win. He's been barbecued because he took troops out of Syria and he sent them down to Saudi Arabia. And people are saying how terrible that is. What a stupid man he is. He's not doing anything. That's in our interests, folks. That is in our interests. They are not in a war down there. They are defending assets. They are defending assets. Don't equate one with the other. Just because we have a troop over in Japan does not mean that that person is in war. If that person is in Syria, he's in a nightmare scenario. We get him out of there and we send him to Saudi to protect the oil. That is in our interest. This is what this man promised to do. Don't make these mistakes of reasoning. Turkey, Europe, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Russia, and the Kurds, 
will now have to, Donald Trump at Twitter, figure the situation out and what they want to do with the captured ISIS fighters in their neighborhood. They all hate ISIS, have been enemies for years. We are 7,000 miles away and will crush ISIS again if they come anywhere near us. By focusing on the ISIS angle of what's wrong with our Syria policy, Trump is keeping things simple telling Americans what they need to know about why some of the troops in Syria are coming home. He may be playing fast and loose with the nuance here, but Twitter isn't the platform for nuance. Why do these tweets change everything, he asks? Because it signals that Trump is, one, ascendant in his own White House. Good job. Two, realizing nothing good comes from further escalation. Good job. Three, not getting reelected if he's in quagmires around the world. Obviously. Four, washing his hands of the Arab infighting. Good job. Five, responding to the real politic of a vulnerable Saudi Arabia, which is why we sent those troops there. Stop barbecuing our president. Good job. Five, understanding that Syria is an Obama era mess, which is now unwinnable. And six, telling Israel what the limits of his support is. Seven, informing our allies the U.S. is not subsidizing their adventures anymore, thank goodness. Eight, notifying the neocons that he's done making deals that they won't keep. And nine, resettling the conflicts in Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan as unwinnable by neocon Israeli standards. I could add a lot more to that list, he says, a lot more, because in context of the last few days, these five tweets are a bombshell, which blows open the possibilities of a much different future foreign policy from the U.S. if Trump survives this ridiculous push to impeach him. Good job. That was a very well thought out article. He agrees with Caroline Glick, and they agree with me, so I know they're right. (laughs) From Mongolia, Xinhua. Two killed by bear attack in northern Mongolia. I had no idea. Two people were killed in northern Mongolia after a bear attack uh, attacked a Mongolian Gur. That's one of their round homes over there, the Gur, the country's largest traditional round-shaped dwelling. A 55-year-old man and his 8-year-old son were killed in a bear attack in Yeru Som of Seleng province. The killer bear has not yet been found. Here's why. Many black bears have migrated from Russia into the northern parts of Mongolia due to severe forest fires in Siberia this summer. Officials believe that the killer bear may be one of them. So I had no idea. There wasn't a lot else in the news from Mongolia this week. So you get bear attacks. From Daniel 12 Technology Today, Popular Mechanics. This is really good. This is really good. And I will tell you, the guy that does the painting for each one of our sermons, Doug, over in Ireland, he did one this week, and it's it's obviously uh, Christian-based, and it's based on the captives, the booty, and the spoil, the war against Midian. He did a marvelous job with this painting, but I can't help but make a connection between this article and how he portrayed the blood in this particular battle. And so if you know what I'm talking about, go and look at that uh, painting, you know, no, but this is still a very interesting article. Bugs. A self-driving car's worst nightmare. He's got all these self-driving cars, and how do you protect against bugs? Okay, Among all obstacles facing self-driving cars, there's another few of us which we anticipated, bugs. LIDAR, which is light detection and ranging. That's how they know when to stop and how far away things are and what to do. LIDAR measures distance by illuminating a target with laser light and measuring the reflected light with a sensor, similar to radar. 
Differences in laser return times and wavelengths discern the range, shape, and speed of static and moving objects. So if it's going towards a telephone pole, it tells you you're about to get killed, right? Okay. So, but the sensors measuring reflected laser light can be obscured by bugs splattered across their lenses, leading to critical loss of information and crashes. How do you, how do you correct that? Ford's team started by taking a preventive approach. If they could keep bugs or dust or snow from hitting the sensor lens, there would be no problem. So, engineers recognized they could alter an insect's path flight with high-velocity air nozzles. So, you put a nozzle in there, and it just blows it off to the side. The resulting air shield consists of a single nozzle residing on one side of the tiara, which blows air at a 35 to 40-degree angle across the LIDAR lens, pushing insects away. As the object comes straight on at the lens, the air shield deflects it off to the side. Ford says the air shield is very effective, preventing the majority of bug strikes, but it doesn't take care of all of them. So what do you do? But the air shield doesn't have a 100% success rate, and those bugs it can't save need to be cleaned off. For that, Ford conceived a solution similar to the headlamp washers on European cars. The sensor cleaning system places 16 spray nozzles around the LIDAR lens, spraying washer fluid at a very high pressure onto the lens. Bosca compares them to mini power washers, while sensors behind the lens detect obscuration. Argo AI developed algorithms characterize it and direct appropriate duration spray to the right place on the lens. Nozzles are individually controlled and use a combination of pumps and high-speed valves to control deployment of the fluid. So now, isn't that amazing? I got head shaking in here. How amazing to think of how are we going to have this car drive without having these problems? If you're in Florida, you don't need to have a self-driving car. You can't drive anyway when the love bugs come out because it so splatters your windshield that sometimes you can't see a thing. You turn on your uh, cleaner and what happens? It just smudges them. That's all it does. And so it makes it worse, not better. Oh, boy, so you have to stop as quickly as possible at the nearest gas station and get out your thing and wash, 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 just to be able to see. From Morality Today, CBN, a tidal wave of transgender regret for hundreds of people. They don't feel better for it. They changed their sexes, and now they're ruining the decision. Guess what? Sky News, hundreds of young trans people seeking help to return to original sex. So first they changed their sex, they regret it. Now they're we got to fund them to be turned back to their regular sex. But guess what? Breitbart News, hundreds of transgenders want to return to biological sex are shunned as traitors. So now you can be a transgender, but you can't be a trans transgender, right? The world has gone completely insane. It's gone completely crazy. From Breitbart Thousands of deaths linked to puberty blockers. Now, I want you to know this came out. My mom sent it to me, so it's out there. People have probably read it. If you haven't, you're going to hear it in a second. But NBC News came out and said, well, that's fake news. And they gave their defense, and their defense didn't defend it at all. So if you read the NBC story, you got to understand why they were lying and what they were saying. The FDA has documented thousands of deaths linked to puberty-blocking drugs now increasingly given to children who suffer from gender dysphoria or claim to be transgender. Between 2013 and June 2019, FDA recorded 41,213 adverse events, including 6,379 deaths and 25,645 serious reactions in patients who took the hormone blocker known as Lupron. Now, they say that people were given this hormone blocker who had cancer. 
and some of them died, and they're counting that into these figures. Well, they took the opposite side on NBC, and they say there's no proof that it did happen to these other people, and so it's obviously only happening to cancer people. All right, so they're they're lying in their supposedly lie fake news story, okay? The same drug given to children who say their transgender identity is not consistent with their biological sex. The American, there's my mother showing up way late. I just talked about her. I just talked about her, and she shows up almost an hour and a half late for church. I can't believe it. Hello, Miss Garrett. We love you. The American College of Pediatricians has compiled significant research on the effects of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones on children. Complications related to the drug's use include malignant tumors, cardiovascular events such as heart attacks and blood clots, suicidal behavior, and psychological disorders, brittle bones, and painful joints and sterility. Remember when you sent me this article in the email there, Miss Garrett? That's what I'm reading. It undoubtedly causes irreversible loss of fertility and many other adverse effects that are potentially lethal to children. To children. And Children that really don't know what they're processing anyway. They say, I think I'm a girl, and mom and dad say, okay, you're a girl. Remember that one that I did of Joan Collins years ago? She had a little short period where she thought I'm a tomboy, and she said, I'm so glad I got over that. Imagine, we wouldn't have Joan Collins, the great you know, actress, to see. We'd have some lunatic on the stage instead, or probably somebody that had killed themselves because of this type of treatment that affected their minds. Anyway, it undoubtedly causes irreversible loss of fertility and many other adverse effects that are potentially lethal. It does not turn a male child into a female child, only into a eunuch who will lose his full potential for growth and strength. Children have no capacity to comprehend these long-term consequences. So the use of this drug in gender-confused children constitutes unethical experimentation. Informed consent is not possible. Gender transitioning hormone treatments have been successful for pharmaceutical companies. In 2017, Abivi, which produces Lupron, observed sales of the drug were $669 million dollars in the United States alone. And you wonder why politicians allow this and promote it? Because they've got their money in these companies. Our other category, Zero Hedge. India, Pakistan, nuclear war could kill 100 million and trigger global cooling. And I thought, hey, that's what the liberals want. They want decrease in the surplus population and they want the globe to get cooler, not hotter. Why are they complaining? There you go. N American military news. FBI stats show five times more murders by knives than rifles in 2018. Yeah, a fact sheet of the FBI's 2018 crime statistics detailed some of the Bureau's analysis of crime statistics, especially studying the types of weapons used in murders. Rifles, as a particular category of firearm, were used to kill 297 people in 2018. Okay, that's bad, 297 people. That's all you hear on the news. Uh, 297 people killed by guns, and so we got to get rid of all guns. By comparison, knives and other cutting instruments were the murder weapon for 1,515 murders in 2018. As a complete category in the FBI statistics, all firearms accounted for 10,265 of the 14,123 murders assessed for the year 2018. Blunt objects were also used more than rifles, accounting for 443 deaths. Murderers even used their hands and feet 
more often than rifles. Hiya! <laughs> Accounting for 672 murder victims in 2018. Wow. And we, we won't outlaw hands and feet, will we? But we got to get a rid of the rifle. Zero hedge. NRA and San Francisco City backs down in face of lawsuit. Last month, San Francisco's Board of Supervisors passed a resolution declaring the NRA a domestic terrorist organization and ordered city employees to take every reasonable step to limit business interactions with the NRA and its supporters. The NRA sued, and lo and behold, San Francisco is backing down before the suit even went to court. In a formal memo to city officials, San Francisco Mayor London Breed declared that no municipal department will take steps to restrict any contractor from doing business with the NRA or to restrict city contracting opportunities for any business that has any relationship with the NRA. The memo declares resolutions making policy statements do not impose duties on city departments, change any of the city's existing laws or policies, or control city departments' exercise of discretion. The NRA is challenging a similar law passed by the Los Angeles City Council that re required city contractors to disclose any ties they have to gun rights group. Back in August, a federal judge denied a request by the city to dismiss the suit. So there you go. We'll see where that one in L.A. goes for, but San Francisco back down. From Twitchy, Fairfax County police officer suspended after cooperating with ICE over illegal alien. This guy went and did his job. He cooperated with ICE, and they have suspended that officer. The chief of the Fairfax County Police Department on Tuesday posted a statement regarding an officer who was relieved of all law enforcement duties pending an investigation. While responding to a traffic accident, he found one of the drivers didn't have a license. So he ran his name and found that he was wanted by ICE for failing to appear at a deportation hearing. So he contacted ICE and turned over the driver, which is not something you do in a sanctuary county. And so they suspended him for doing his job and reporting an illegal immigrant to the federal authorities. May I, come on down here. If you're a Republican, come to Florida and we will find you a job down here with a decent police department, okay? Poor guy. Mail on, if you're Democrat, don't come. <laughs> Mail online. U.S. employment falls to 50-year low of 3.5% with 136,000 jobs added in September. Once again, 50-year low. It keeps going and going and going. Jobs numbers from the Labor Department show September boost in employment. Unemployment ticked down 0.2 percentage points, enough for a 50-year low. Trump tweeted, I'm 55, so I was just a little boy last time that I saw such beautiful numbers. Thank you, yeah. President Trump. Trump tweeted sarcastically, wow, America, let's impeach your president. Latino unemployment in the U.S. is 3.9%, the lowest on record. Good job, President Trump. Mail online, middle class is getting richer. Family incomes increased $4,100 since Trump took office, and economists predicts it will make him tough to beat in 2020. Under Obama, Incomes rose only $1,000. So in his short term, he's gone up $4,100. In all eight years of Obama, it only went up $1,000 for middle-class families. And that probably didn't keep up with inflation. Got a couple less ricks here for you on the same subject. We'll see if you can guess which one it is. But Les did one and his wife did one, and I just put them together. Moses could see neath the soil. 
Asher would dance in his oil. A prophecy's here took 4,000 years. It's a hook for the Russians to spoil. With our soul due to its oil, its well, get the pun, it is well with my, okay. So says Zion, the gospel to tell. They say business is best once the land's passed its test. When it does, they will not spend but sell. Good job, Kathy and Les, Les and Kathy. All right, I got an irony for you. I call this wrong method. Heavy stress on the meth part, okay? Wrong method. Mail online. Woman, 38, wearing a bag of meth as a hair bow is pulled over by a cop for a traffic stop. She gets pulled over. He looks at her hair, and she's got a bow, and it's made out of, it's a baggie of meth up there. So wrong method, okay? And then from WHNT19, sheriff, woman arrested after she had asked deputies to test her meth. Wrong method, yes. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.